Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. My guest today is Spencer Spellman. Thank you for listening. Before I get to Spencer, let me take care of some business, and that is, of course, telling you to go to the website, which is TravelTalesPodcast.com. There you'll find articles written by me and some by our guests. You can see photos of the guests, and you can click on the links to all our social media, which are, of course... Instagram, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Travel Tales Podcast on Facebook. There's links to Stitcher Radio where you can subscribe to this show. And of course, iTunes where you can subscribe. And if you're going to iTunes, why not give us a good rating, huh? Take a minute, give us a good review. That boosts our presence, which helps people find the show. And that's always a cool thing. So please do that. If you're hearing this the week it comes out, I am currently on a cruise ship somewhere in the Caribbean performing for elderly people on a boat. <laughs> My first foray into cruise ship performing was over Thanksgiving, and I think I mentioned on earlier shows that I wasn't a big fan of the cruise experience, but with every new day comes new hope. And since I recorded this episode before I left town, I have no idea if I'm having a good time right now, but let's hope I am. The goal is to be positive in 2016, and I can't believe this year has ended already. 2015 has come and gone. I had a great travel year. I hope you've had one as well. And I look forward to a great 2016. And I want to remind people again, don't let fear uh, determine your travel tendencies. I know with a lot of stuff in the news, you get scared and people are worried about going to certain parts of the world or flying or whatever. You know what? Play the odds, folks. Uh, air travel still safer than getting in the car. Statistics uh, show that. So use common sense and don't let uh, fear keep you from uh, seeing the world. I don't let it keep me from seeing the world. I hope you don't either. And it's through travel and understanding that uh, we will cure a lot of problems and animosity. So rather than get scared and hide into your little corner, be more open. Talk to more people. Expand your horizons, and I think that'll bring more peace, which is something we all want. So that's how I'm going to end 2015. I hope you're somewhere you want to be right now. Maybe you're with family. Maybe you're not. Maybe you stayed home. Whatever you're doing, please be safe. And thank you for being a Travel Tales podcast listener. For those people that have uh, stuck with me and have written me nice things, I appreciate it. I don't make money off the show, so I do it out of the love of travel and meeting people who also share my love of travel. So if you're listening, I'm assuming you love to travel. And the beauty of the internet is that no matter what you're into, as long as you have an internet connection, you can find your crowd. And for better or worse, like it or not, you're my crowd. And for that, I'm very thankful. So have a happy and safe new year, and please enjoy my conversation with Spencer Spellman. Spencer Spellman, in my very own home. Welcome. Hello, Mike. 
<laughs> Hello. Hello, you. Thank you for driving the two and a half miles to get here. It was a, it was a long commute, was, but uh, <laughs> I, I made it safe and sound. Well, you're finally in town. Yes. How uh, would you? How long would you say you've traveled this year? How many weeks were you out of the country, or just on the road, basically? Uh, I would say maybe uh, twelve, twelve weeks out of the year, twelve to fifteen weeks. Now you are uh, reasonably new. To L.A., right? Two, I am. two years, you said? Two and a half years? Yes, two and a half years, originally from North Carolina, hence a little bit of I can hear slang. it. I can hear it. It yes. was either that or Boston. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, been on the West Coast for four years. I uh, was up in uh, San Francisco, Seattle, and now calling L.A. home. Now, what's a nice, proper Southern boy doing in the West Coast with all the, the weirdos, as they say, out in North Carolina? You know, hey, I get that so much where I, I go back home and they're like, you're in L.A.? It's kind of like the, the El Paso, like the, uh, what's the uh, the salsa? Oh, yeah. New York was, City. Yeah, right? It's like that. Right. And uh, But no, just, uh, I mean, working and being in travel, I, it's just a great gateway being here in L.A. And then, I mean... Uh, I'll go home today and put on some shorts and a t-shirt, and you can't do that in very many places. You can't be that. I mean, yeah. for travel, though, it's a great gateway to the to Asia. Yeah. But for everywhere else, it's a pain in the ass. Yes, exactly, yeah. So I feel like I got, living on the in the southeast, I got all my Caribbean travel and Europe travel out of the way, and now it's like I'm doing the other side of right. the world now that I'm over here. That's where I'm headed uh, tomorrow. i got to go down to the Caribbean. Okay. Doing two weeks on working on cruise ships. There are worse places to be. Yeah, but there are better places to be. There are. Are yes. you a fan? I, I don't know. I'm torn. I'm like I'm a diver, so okay. I'm hoping to get some of that done. But cruises to me are not the. Uh, it's not my ideal form of travel. I've done it. I did. I did an Alaska cruise a couple years ago. Well, that's a different animal, and I that mean, was completely different. That was amazing. It was my first time to Alaska, but yeah, I've never kind of been drawn to, to doing a Caribbean cruise. Just kind of not my. Not I get my so bored. I yeah. get so bored. Now, when you uh, so tell me about what like growing up in North Carolina. What part of North Carolina? A uh, very small town called Graham. Graham. I think, I think now there may be nine thousand people living in the town. So what's what would that be near? So it's about halfway between Greensboro and Durham. So it's really kind oh, okay. of right in the center of the state. It's one exit on I eighty five and. If, I think if you blink and you miss it, that phrase actually originated in, in my hometown. I, I did stand up for uh, I was on I did colleges for many many years, so I would do these colleges that I'd never heard of, and I did a whole North Carolina run. I did like Mount Olive, yeah, and then North Carolina Presbyterian, yeah, and I just remember that school, North Carolina Presbyterian, was their number one major was like equestrian science or something so it was all these horse owners it was all horse people you know just these but beautiful girls yeah beautiful girls but they were you know just from these nice families who had horses and they wanted to get into the horse game or whatever you know or they just wanted to ride who knew that was even a thing yeah exactly amazing i played schools like one in colorado western state their number one major was uh uh recreation okay so these guys were just being like river rafting guides and just partying their asses off. That's amazing. It's a way up by Crested Butte. And... Wow, I went to the wrong school. <laughs> Where'd you go? <laughs> I went to Western Carolina. Western so, Carolina, okay. Yeah. That, the town there, it's called Cullowee, is even smaller than the town I grew up in. I, there were 
four businesses kind of in the entire town. Uh, one of them was a bank. Another one was a, a bakery. Uh, uh, and then the, there was a convenience store. And that was like, that was a one day, that was a one day stop because they had Cheerwine slushies. I don't know if you know what Cheerwine is, but no. it's kind of like a cherry Dr. Pepper that's made, that comes yes. from North Carolina. And okay. they did these Cheerwine slushies. And so every day I'd walk by there from class and get a Cheerwine slushie. And that's, that was like the, the town's claim to fame, pretty much. Did the travel uh, bug come out of, you think, uh, a, from being of a town so small? You think maybe you wanted to look out more? I, th- I think that was part of it. The The big thing is that my uh, – my si- I have two much older sisters. I was an accident, actually. Oh, I gotcha. were really open and honest about that in my family. <laughs> and so my uh, – the younger of the two sisters was a flight attendant. And so uh, – would not have ever been able to travel growing up and come a small farm town if it wasn't for her who I could essentially travel travel with for free and so mm. and so I had my my father and my parents up until the time I was living in North Carolina they had traveled all over and lived all over the country and then my father was a school teacher so during the summer we would pretty much not be at home the entire summer so we'd pack up the car and we had a, a little pop-up camper when i was a kid so <laughs> that's my we sister's family yeah yeah she's so. her and her husband are teachers down in florida like, okay so they drive up yeah they get a little pop-up camper nice they'll go up to michigan for the summer or whatever yeah yeah so it was, it was like it was a real kind of shock to me when i got into the adult world and i was like oh not everybody gets the entire summer off like this isn't like school growing <laughs> right up. i can just travel the entire summer so it was mostly driving though like domestic yeah like, okay yeah yeah and then like i said with my sister being a flight attendant i would during my spring breaks and fall breaks i'd usually take a a trip with her just based on wherever she was flying so we it was a lot of domestic stuff we also went up to seattle and one day and went up to british columbia for a little bit and did some did some a little bit of world travel as well so world travel yeah like what was yeah. your first uh, overseas like trip uh so that was actually just just after high school the first one was to paris oh, okay yeah yeah so spent it was, and it was right around christmas and my sister had lived in paris her for for a couple of years and studied french and so thankfully because i uh didn't know any french <laughs> i knew like three or four phrases or whatnot but that was the first trip, and I think that one was the one where I was like, all right, I can – I want to do this thing. So you're like 18. You're going to Paris. Yes. That's pretty wide, you know, eyes widening because yeah. you can just uh, – you're ordering wine. You get, yeah. the, you get into drinks, and it's like, oh, yeah. oh, look at me. I'm an adult here. Yeah. No, totally. It's yeah. pretty – It's and coming especially from small town North Carolina. Right. Yeah, and I, there, was, there was just so many things that just kind of were blowing my mind where the, the apartment we were staying at where – coming in for the night and there's just this person with this cart and then there's just this fragrant amazing smell and i'm like what what are they making over there must have just like they're have you never had a nutella crate before and i was like <laughs> no what is this and i was like it was just amazing that just across the street from where i was staying in this big city was the most delicious thing i've ever put in my mouth i think <laughs> so did amazing. you you did your uh College for what four years? Yes, you made well, it out in four or five. You, okay, I changed my major my last year, which uh, created a problem. Your last and, year? Yes, I did. Yeah, and still, still got out in five. So, <laughs> yeah. What did it end up being? Uh, so I was my since my father was a teacher, he I think I kind of thought I was going to follow his footsteps and become a teacher. And so I was an education major and got to the first day of internships, and I was like, "Screw this! I am not getting up at four in the morning." 
So went the complete opposite direction and ended up getting my degree in philosophy. Philosophy? Yeah, so from education to philosophy. And you can't do a lot with a philosophy degree other than go back to more school. Yeah, I mean, so. most of the, anybody I knew who took philosophy in college, they all went to law school. Yeah, exactly. That was like the big deal. Yeah. You either do that or you go to more school and become a philosophy teacher. <laughs> or rant and rave in the park. Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, so did you do the uh, after-college backpacking thing around Europe and all that? I, I didn't. I kind of fell – kind of went right back in, in into work and kind of did that. And it wasn't until probably two or three years later when I really got into to travel and, and everything. Well, you're a younger man than me. Yeah. So, I mean, by the time you got out of – Probably, you know, by the time you're in college and all the stuff, you know, the internet is a big thing. Um, were there websites or something or travel things that you saw online that said that's like the kind of direction I want to go in? Yeah, it was it, it kind of this kind of getting into content and travel. It just it was it wasn't by it, was, it almost felt like it was by accident. So I, I was living in after I graduated college, I lived in South Carolina for a while and it started doing some some writing just largely because I had gotten some good feedback from my professors uh, my last year of college and was like, hey, I'm going to write some things, put it out there and see what happens and had sent this article that I had written to this editor just wanting to get some feedback and then he emails me the next day and is like, hey, this is great. We're Send, send us your byline and everything and we're going to publish it this week and I was like, oh, I don't know. This is, this is awesome. Uh, what was it the article about? Uh, I can't – it was – this was man, like nine years ago, so it was just kind of like a, a current affair uh, culture <laughs> article. Okay. It was just something super, super random. But And and then at this around the same time, just kind of started doing some more writing, and there was a, a travel guide publisher that was hiring where I was living at and got got hired by them as a writer. And the first day on the job got promoted to an editor. And so that was <laughs> the first kinda, day. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was kind of <laughs> crazy. So sounds like they had some openings there. Yeah, they, they evidently <laughs> did. So yeah. And then did it, a raise come with that promotion right. or just uh, it didn't actually. Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> so when did the, when did the move out west happen? And why? So essentially, uh, uh, worked with them as uh, for as a writer and editor for a couple years, and just wasn't wasn't happy uh, where I was living at, and just kind of needed a change. And so, I the whole kind of backpacking thing that you mentioned, I was like, I'm going to do that in my later twenties. Everybody does it when they're right out of college. I'm going to do it a little bit later in life and still get the the same benefits. So, when I was 27, I went decided to basically sold and gave away everything that I owned and was like, I'm going to travel until I either get tired of it or run out of money. I never want to leave or run out of money. (laughs) So did that. I spent, it ended up spending most of my time down in Central America. I just got there and loved it and realized how well I could live for very cheap. And so I spent most of my time in Costa Rica, Nicaragua. And so did that for almost a year and then came out of the West coast on my, Went to the West Coast on my way to kind of visit my family and stopped in San Francisco for a week and then essentially never left. And that was four <laughs> years ago. So I've been uh, been pretty much on the West Coast ever since. Well, what did you – when you were in Central America, did you pick up jobs at all or did you just like – or hang out in surf towns and – so essentially, it was both, <laughs> right? But so I, I worked with some with some locals a little bit, but I was also doing some doing some freelance writing. So I just kind of gotten some from my work 
for two years with the travel guide publisher, gotten a lot of ton of ton of contacts. So I would work a couple of days a week and then travel around the the rest of the week. And are you sending and, stories to different uh, websites? And yeah, stuff? yeah, oh, okay, yeah, different websites and publications and and whatnot and about Costa Rica or wherever you were. Yeah, it was a lot of a lot of because I, was, I mean I was traveling pretty much nonstop for that year, so it was a lot of kind of a lot of. Tra- writing about where I'd been to, and then kind of, and I, I, like I said, I spent most of my time in Central America, so it was a lot of heavy Central America content, especially. So, well, let's get yeah. then into that. So, of Central America, give me your favorite spots, and what do you think that uh, for people listening who like to travel there, what's underappreciated, what deserves a little more? Yeah, so I like Costa Rica, and I, but I, I feel like Costa Rica is kind of like a, a starter destination. It's like a, a gateway destination yeah. to Latin America. They got the tourist thing yeah. down pretty much. Yeah, so it's like it's very – you see a lot of American culture there, much more than I think probably anywhere – potentially anywhere else in, in Latin America. And – but – you know, contrary, you know, converse of that, there's just some amazing beauty. I mean, just, I mean, I've I've been fortunate enough to, to zip line and, you know, go waterfall hiking in a lot of different places. And some of the wildlife and outdoor experiences are, Costa Rica is second to none, really. But I think the place I, that I love the most, I think, was Nicaragua. I still haven't been. Oh, I've like, been to Panama and okay. Costa Rica, but not Nicaragua yet. It's, it just felt like it felt so raw. And when I was there, I think only about thirty percent of the country was developed. Wow! And so you just had a lot of this undeveloped land. It just felt so real and genuine. There wasn't the tourism infrastructure that you had in Costa Rica. And I really gravitate to those kinds of experiences. I remember when we first drove into the country, and there was just this guy sitting on this big ice chest selling $1 cans of beers and fruit. And I was like, I love this place. I never want to leave. <laughs> How, um, yeah, that's the one thing. On, on the downside, uh, the, the, the infrastructure is not yeah. really there. You know, so it's like the roads are tough. And yeah. then, you know, how was it in safety-wise compared yeah. to... Yeah, I think I, I felt safe. And uh, actually, honestly, I felt a little bit safer in Nicaragua. I just... It just... Uh, the the people were just kind of so welcoming and never felt but I, I mean i was largely i was in one of the the major towns around there granada for most of the time and so so kind of felt very safe there isn't a huge kind of you know there isn't a huge tourism there but there's still a lot of really cool things and a lot of things that the the country's done a great job of really preserving and catering to to travelers uh, right around Granada, there's some amazing volcanoes that you can explore. Uh, there's one Mombacho that you can actually zip line around. There's uh, you can get Lake Nicaragua is really cool because uh, there the island uh, the lake is actually has these small islands and um, isles that are just spread around the lake, which is really unique. So mm-hmm. uh, and you can just kind of essentially rent a boat for the day and just kind of poke around the lake or whatnot, which is really really awesome so it was yeah i think that was probably one of one of my my highlights from from central america did your spanish get uh on point it after did. A while? yeah i mean because i was i was there for a few months and it just kind of because i hadn't really studied it since college and it, it came back to me pretty quickly yeah it's and, amazing and, when you have to use it yeah how much it comes back and then it was amazing how much I lo- I, I lost it after, after <laughs> yeah after right so yeah and Lord knows we need it here in in right. L A it really yeah. would come in handy yeah exactly but yeah I know I, I that's my New Year's resolution every year that I'm gonna get my Spanish 
better and I, and I think I have to do that. I have to like go there and live. And right. that's how I'm really going to Yeah. Yeah, and actually yeah. the the first month I was there, I was taking I took some Spanish classes just to, to kind of get it back and right. work on really being a little bit more com- conversational and this was a really cool thing and I would recommend to people that are traveling somewhere for a bit of time is there was a, a, a teacher there who was actually an, an expat living there, and she was doing classes for – at that time, it was like $10 an hour or something like that. And so I would go there for, for like an hour or whatnot and do a Spanish class with her for a few weeks, and it was it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And a, a kind of great, and a great experience, and often while I was around there, would would live with families that were there as well, and that was just a great, great experience to kind of practice on that. Did you ever uh, try to do the teaching English thing there? I didn't. I, and I think it was part of my – it goes back to the college thing where I was like – I was just so turned off like going to my internships in college and whatnot. It was like <laughs> – it was like I just realized then that I didn't want to have any part of it that I was like, all right, forget this. I am not – Even I'm teaching not, there, you're not yeah, going to do it. Yeah, I was it. like, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm not doing it. So, Yeah. Well, I mean, did so you said you were going to stay as long as you know you got tired of it, your or your money ran out. What happened? So why? What made you come back? So essentially, I uh, it was just it was one of the most amazing things. It was just one of those really. I feel like we've all travelers have always kind of have had these trips that are just very revealing, and I just learned a ton from that trip. Learned a ton about myself and the world, and it was just one of those things. Where I was like, all right, I'm kind of. I can. I've been traveling for for almost a year. It's time to kind of get back and get back into the real world and <laughs> and and do that thing. So it's like I'm, I'm going to slowly kind of make my way back home and ended up, you know, coming out to the West Coast and then never never really really left. And this is this kind of become my home. So what uh, what did everybody say back home when they said when you said you were living in Central America? Did they think you were nuts? Well, my mom sent me uh, yes is the short answer to that. <laughs> my mom sent me an article while I was down there. She didn't send anything but this article in an envelope, and it was about people who hadn't figured out what they had wanted to do in life, that a lot of people could just join the military later on in their 20s. Oh, boy. And I was like, yeah. all right, okay. <laughs> so, but but it's it's cool, and I think my my sisters who – were, were older and had families of themselves. I think for them, it was really inspirational and it was, and they kind of had a lot of respect that I, I took some, took some risk. And as a result of that travel, it's kind of brought me to where I am now. And, and so it was uh, kind of, a, I feel like a stepping stone to, to where I'm living at now and what I'm doing now. And so I think they have really come to respect me and, and love it for it. And we're a little bit jealous, of course, yeah. as well. So. Is, is your one sister still a flight attendant? She is. Yeah, she's been doing it for, for more than 25 years Wow, now she's, she kept airline. her job. Yeah. What, what airline? She's with Delta. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so she, she hasn't. She's She has three kids and a family, and still she'll – a lot of times just do a red eye flight, do a late night flight and then be back in time for you know, for to see her mm-hmm. kids the next day as they're coming back from school and everything. And so it's she she loves it and that's it's it's great. Does but she live in Atlanta? She does. Yeah, yes. That yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, she's been there for years, and it's I, I love that she's been with the same airline for the entire time. Do you so. get any benefits still from her? Uh, so I can get like a, a buddy pass and, and fly fly standby, right? But which is which is risky. So every I will use maybe one a year or so. I'll I'll call her up and be like, "Hey, sis, you got you got any buddy passes <laughs> left?" 
And if it, especially if it's a trip that I kind of <clears> want to go, to, you know, wouldn't, you know, somewhere abroad or somewhere like that that I really want to go. So tell me about your site and what did you, what was the plan when you started it and what, what's the vision you have for it and tell people what it's called and where they can find it. Sweet. So the website is whiskeytangoglobetrot.com, W-T-G. Uh, so now, is this a, the Irish spelling of whiskey, or is this the what one? Which one has the e in it? Which one has the not the e? So, not the e is the Scotch, which is okay. uh, ironically where my ancestors are from. <laughs> but it's I'm using the uh, how we spell it in America with the e, uh, and it was so for several years. I had a very niche travel website called the Traveling Philosopher, actually a play on. What I was doing. Finally using that degree. Yes, right? Wow. Putting that degree yeah. uh, to good use with my blog. I'm sure my professors are extremely proud of that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, shifted uh, – shifted rebranded it last year to be to be this. And a couple of years ago, I wasn't – I launched The Traveling Philosopher when I was traveling full-time and was traveling quite a bit. And just kind of found myself getting into um, – other things, especially in the food and drink world, I would, as I was, when I started traveling a few years ago, one thing that I would do is that every place I would go to, I'd bring back a bottle of the local booze. And so by the time I had been traveling for, for like a year, I you know came home and I was like, I have all these bottles of booze and I don't know, what am I going to do with it? And so I ended up making cocktails, like, you know, kind of becoming a bartender, making cocktails with it and drinks with it. And so... Decided to, to relaunch this website this past year to be more of a, a lifestyle website. Uh, the the play was kind of off the uh, the WTF military term. So was, the idea was kind of like we have a lot of WTF moments in our days, and I want to kind of bring uh, <laughs> a WTG moment. So where it's you know food, drink, travel. These are some of the best things the world has, has given us, and so want that to be a place where people can go to to be inspired for that. So it's a lot of it's of course it's Documenting a lot of my travels, I've gotten quite a bit into photography, and so it has a lot of my photos on there. And then also doing a lot of food and drink things. I have a, a food series that I do called Cooking with Booze, where I do some kind of recipe that has some kind of booze in there. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Yes. Whiskey, com. Whiskey Tango Globetrot. When, whiskey com. Tango Globetrot. Yes. Sorry. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, you can whiskeytangoglobetrot.com. And then on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Spencer Spellman. Okay, and you're also working with the uh, Travel Massive now. Yes, I am. So have uh, Travel Massive is a a great networking group. If you're in travel, work in travel, have a blog, and so we have a, a great chapter here in in LA. A fun tight knit group of folks in LA who love to travel and. Love getting together to have drinks and talk about it. So uh, stoked to have recently become one of the chapter heads for that. So in um, Costa Rica, about the booze, I had uh, Guaro. Yeah. Which was, uh, somebody told me when I went there, they said, oh, you got to get Guaro. And then I tried to order it in a bar, and the guy's like, we don't carry that shit. Really? <laughs> he was like, okay. That's for like the locals to drink. You know, it was like that's in a hotel. Hilarious. You know, he's like, no, we don't carry that. You know, it's like I was asking for moonshine or something, yeah. you know, so... Is there anything you can make with that? I mean, it's kind it's, of a, it's the cheap local booze that yeah. people the locals drink. It's basically. pretty strong. Like they had some some cocktails that they would they would sometimes put it in, but usually, like when I would order it, it would be a, a shot. They would they would bring over the shot in the shot glass 
a lime wedge, and then a salt shaker. And yeah. so you kind of take Tequila it. style. Yeah, so it's similar similar to that. Mm-hmm. But it packs a punch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what would be, like, I know in uh, Peru, it was like Pisco. Pisco Sours I drank a lot of. And then what would it be in, say, Nicaragua? What do they drink? It was actually they had some really fantastic rum there. One of my favorite rums comes from Nicaragua. Actually, it's Florida Cana, and uh, they have a four, seven, fifteen, I think, year, year old rums. And mm-hmm. so a lot of that was just you could just kind of it's a really great sipping rum. Uh, so you could just drink that. There wasn't necessarily kind of a Nicaragua cocktail <laughs> that they were doing. Uh, you could, but I mean they would. They, I may had some really good mojitos down there. A lot of really good kind of traditional rum drinks. Yeah, but I was really I you always you typically kind of associate rum with the Caribbean, and some of the best rum I've had was was in Costa Rica and Nicaragua. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I went down to. Uh, have you been to Cuba yet? I have not. I'm dying to go. Good rum. Yeah, it's the uh, it's always Havana Club. Yeah, which you can't get you know here, but right. Yeah, I went to the home of the uh, daiquiri. Where oh, you know yeah. where they invented the daiquiri, and you got to go there have one. It's like you know the low. It's too expensive for the locals. Yeah, to drink there, but you know you go there, you yeah. have your one. <laughs> yeah, El Floridita, I think it's called. yeah El Floridita. Yeah, that was yeah. Ernest Hemingway's spot. There's a statue of yeah. Hemingway at the end yeah. of the bar. There's there's actually a really great book I read last year called And a Bottle of Rum, and it's about this guy uh, uh, Curtis. Just went out of just name just left me, but anyway he. Did, went on this trip basically around the world to kind of uncover these stories of, of rum and kind of talk about how rum had evolved and how it had place in these different cultures and destinations and then talk about the resurgence and how it's kind of making a, making a comeback. And it's a really fascinating, funny story. I mean, he's got stories about Blackbeard in there and <laughs> Captain Morgan and just all kinds of – right. All kinds of amazing stories. That so it's, cool. it's a really kind of cool drink travel travel log. Now I've been to Ireland and Scotland, uh, but whiskey is kind of just it's lost on me, and I've given it a lot of okay. chances, but I can't. Uh, I just haven't latched onto it. Yeah, like, are you good with those? And you know, have you gone on like Scotch tours and distilleries and all that stuff? I have. Yeah, it was really it was probably my first trip to Ireland quite a few years ago that I that I got into that, and and Ireland is unique because they're uh, their their whiskey's a little bit is a little bit smoother there, so it's a little bit more approachable in my opinion than than a lot of Scotch whiskey, and kind of loved it. And then it took me a, f- a few years to really get into to Scotch single malt whiskey. And <laughs> after going a couple years ago, I did a couple different tours there and really kind of delved into the taste and the flavor. And it's it's. It's it's an acquired taste, I think, in a, in a lot of ways, and you either like it or you you don't like it. And there's I, I've noticed kind of getting into that. There's some really, I mean, there's some really expert whiskey people that are so into it. I mean, you even go like you go on these communities on like subreddits, and oh, they're yeah. just like really intense about it. And I'm like, All right, I, I just I'm a I'm an enjoyer. I'm just kind of here <laughs> yeah. to I, I just want to drink it. I don't. Right. I don't, I don't want to debate it. Yeah, exactly. I just want to drink <laughs> it and sit by a fireplace with a nice scotch and call it a day. And so, but it's, yeah. Well, you're down there from uh, your bourbon country. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody I know from Kentucky, you know, they'll drink like either Maker's Mark or yeah. like Woodford Reserve or something like that. What was your uh, poison growing up? 
So I don't I, say moonshine. Don't yeah, say it. Or did you? I'm not. We so, so <laughs> we there was a, a pretty firm. There was prohibition in our household. It was pretty. So you oh to, really? You had to really kind of, and it was intense. Like it was a really. I never knew of any. My mom had this like alcohol. Uh, like sense or meter about her where she just knew like we (laughs) i got in trouble so many times with my friends for getting in our house but but i i i mean it was just like i drank it was cheap beer and cheap whiskey (laughs) and wasn't really i didn't really grow appreciation of it until well into my well into my 20s or whatnot but bourbon i mean now i mean bourbon's kind of my my drink and i feel like i'm i mean it's it's only appropriate i'm I'm Mm. from the south so yeah no strangely enough though i can handle that more than yeah. like the scotches or Irish whiskey. Yeah. I think it's uh, maybe it's I was on a uh, trip in the Grand Canyon and there was a Scottish guy on our boat. I was with a bunch of people from Kentucky and they had snuck in their little not snuck in we could bring whatever but like their maker's mark and stuff and and we gave some to this Scottish guy and he was like, "Ah, oh. to him it was so sweet, I guess." Okay. And uh, then we tried some of his that he brought, but it was like, woof. Yeah. It was like it was gasoline, strong. man. Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I guess uh, we we looked like wimps. Yeah. <laughs> right. Is that is it true? Is it more sweet, I guess, bourbon? Yeah, yeah. That's that's typically the bourbon is, is kind of a much more kind of balance. It's corn-based. Yeah, yeah. And malt. what is it in scotch? It, it, malt, yeah. Barley, right? Yeah, or, barley. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it's uh, and typically, I mean, the whole, I mean, Scotch's thing is being very. I mean, most of the, I guess, most respected are, are very smoky, and that's not something that a lot of people necessarily want from yeah what they're having. So, yeah. <laughs> so what if you if you go into a bar, and say you want, well, there's two different ways to go into a bar. You know, it depends on what kind of night you're you're yeah. looking at. So if you want a mellow night, what what would you order? Just a, a bourbon on the rocks, like. Uh, Four Roses is probably one of my favorite bourbons. Four Roses? Yeah. Okay, I don't know that one. It's fantastic, and it's probably the best bang for your buck as far as bourbons go. And so if there's m- – most bottles are in L.A. at least will have that. So if that, that's typically what I'll, what I'll order. Just okay. Bourbon on the rocks. What if you want a like, crazy night? <laughs> okay. What if you're starting it off? Okay. Because you got a layer. Yeah. You know, I've had those nights where you, 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 you can start big. Maybe you taper. Yeah. Toward the end, and then yeah, okay. Yeah, I usually I'm I a usually, vodka guy. Okay, myself. I usually I usually start with like a couple like really booze like whiskey forward cocktails like an old fashioned <laughs> or a Manhattan. Then maybe do something a little bit more balanced like a whiskey sour, and then maybe end the night on a glass of whiskey, maybe a shot of tequila. <laughs> Depending on how saucy I'm feeling. Have you done the Mexico tequila tours or done any of those? I haven't. I've done some. I've I, I've done some kind of trips where I've gotten to experience the taste some of the the local local drinks down there. I really I've really gotten into to mezcal recently. Oh man, I can't uh, get into it. Is, it's a smoky thing again. I think it's it's got those kind of smoke characteristics, and so I really want to go down to Oaxaca. Which right, is where right, it's, right. Uh, where it's where it's made and and do do a tour down there. And someone told me once. That we were trying this uh, mezcal and she, and she smelled it and she says, "Oh, you know what it smells like when you open up a uh, a brand new pair of uh, Converse tennis shoes." And once she told me that, and it was in my head, that's all I can smell every time. I, I hope I didn't just ruin it for you. You no. didn't, but that's like the weirdest analogy. It, it is. It is like a, it's kind of like a rubbery kind yeah. of smell that I just and she was right, and I was I was like, "Oh my god, it does." That's so interesting. Yeah, it's it's really weird. Okay. But I couldn't uh, I couldn't I like tequilas, but I yeah. couldn't mezcal's I couldn't 
Yeah. Couldn't get into. Yeah, you don't necessarily want to. Maybe to mix it with yeah. something, but yeah. Don't necessarily want to shoe aroma as your. <laughs> I know. And this, a drink. Now it's yeah. burned into my head. Right. So were you never like a wine guy or would. I, so I lived in San Francisco for a year and a half, and wine is like really big there. And I kind of got into it there, but it was around that same time I was getting more into spirits, I was trying to get into distilleries, going to getting into craft beer. And I just found that I could spend hours and hours at a craft brewery just talking to the brewers and hanging out and talking to the locals. And I, I just didn't have that vibe from a winery. And so for me, a lot of it is kind of the, the experience and I was drawn and gravitated more to, more to uh, beer spirits, cocktails, but uh, the, the wine world, I mean, that's just, I, it's, I, I learned so much living in Northern California from that. It's a it's, deep hole, man. It and really you got to know your stuff. And, and yeah. so many people know so much more than me. I just let them order. Yeah. <laughs> you know I'm the I mean? same thing. I'm like, I should not be, I should not be trusted with ordering any wine because it will probably not come out well. <laughs> right. So give me, I'm going to put you on a spot here. Okay. Give me your top three uh, cities in America for microbrews, okay. microbrew cities. So definitely San Diego and Portland. Portland I, is on my list. Yes. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. I mean, you could spend a week there and still barely scratch the surface of what they're doing. Some amazing brewers going on there. And I'm going to give you – so those two I feel like a lot of people know about. I'm going to give you one that not a lot of people know about, which is Asheville, North Carolina, which is near – Beautiful city. School. Yeah, it's an amazing city. And they were doing craft brewing really well when I was there. 10 years ago. And still to this day, a lot of people just don't know that there's kind of this huge beer craft beer presence. It's not quite as concentrated as you have in like a Portland, for example, because it's, you have a lot of folks that are doing things kind of out in the suburbs there in Asheville more so, but making some really great, great beer out there. I've heard this before about uh, San Diego. I had no idea. Yeah. I think last I heard there were about 110 to 120 breweries and brew pubs in San Diego County. 110? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's that's including a ton of brew pubs. Like Pizza Port has several brew pubs around, around San Diego. Uh, several of the breweries have three or four different brew pub locations. But still, that's that's a lot. It's, it's crazy for, for the size wow. of What are the biggest brands coming out of that we would know in San Diego? Uh, Stone. Stone which, IPA, yeah, okay, which you can I know get that pretty pretty regularly. Uh, Ballast Point is probably one hmm. that you you've probably seen. Yeah, their their Sculpin IPA I think is one of the best IPAs. Okay, in America, but yeah, they, I mean, just in the last ten years in in LA, a bunch have popped up. There have, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, especially on the in the South Bay, like Manhattan or around Torrance, Redondo Beach, that area. There's been some uh, just an, kind of an explosion. Yeah, Strand great. and a yeah. few others. Yeah. Strand's great. Uh, Two Dudes is one that I, I like a lot. There's El Segundo Brewing, which is right there mm-hmm. uh, in the, the middle of El, El Segundo. That's a great spot as well. I would put uh, uh, like Denver and up in the mountains in Colorado. Yeah. They have a ton of them there. Yeah, I would. If I were like making a true like top three best list, they they would. Denver would definitely be on the list. I went this year. I went for the first time to the Great American Beer Festival, which if you love beer, like this is kind of the bucket list beer thing to do because there were almost 800 breweries there this year, 4,000 beers being served over <laughs> over the weekend. And it was like you, you really can't even come close to putting a dent 
into it. But it's an, it's an amazing. There's just not an event in the U.S. that has that many brewers all together at the same time, and it's it's an amazing event. Top uh, three, I guess, of your favorites. Doesn't have to be for everyone, but your personal favorite uh, for, for drinks. Which countries? Top three countries when you go to for cocktails and drinks. That's a that's a good one. Um, because America, I guess the cocktail is kind of an American invention. That I've heard it it's is like around the turn of the century, we really kind of ushered that in. Yeah, and it's starting to take off. I see it more. I was just in Europe. I was in Scandinavia this summer and in Spain, and then you see more places going. Putting cocktails in in, right. in their signage and and just like speakeasies, which yeah. never were really a thing. Oh yeah, there. So like really like craft cocktails, you know, yeah. like uh, talking about the fresh ingredients is like they never really did that right before. So yeah, it's, it's kind of like taking off. Yeah, it's crazy. And I'll say London, I think is doing. Uh, England is doing some really cool things. I I would say the major cities around the world. They're probably outside of New York City, for example. I think they're probably one of the one of the top cities. I was actually surprised when I was in uh, I was in Australia last month, and they their gin scene is just going off like no other place in the world right now. And I, I had no idea because I would go into some of these cocktail bars, and they would have just a menu of different gin and tonic. They would have like fifteen to twenty different gin and tonics they were doing. Oh wow, which was really really unique. I went. I was That's in, that English influence. The, the yeah, gin. Yeah. yeah, right. And I was just, and I mean, a ton. A lot of it's coming from from gin distilleries that are within sixty seventy miles of oh, wow. where I was drinking at, which was really really cool. So they do like their beer in Australia. Yes, they do like their beer. I ser- I have never been someplace where people can hold their their alcohol like, like yeah. Aussies can do. Aussies they like to drink. I guess well Russians. Okay, Anthony, yeah. Anthony Bourdain oh, had yeah, a famous sure. quote. He said, uh, "I don't I don't care how much you think you can drink. Any Russian can drink you under the table." Yeah, which I really believe. Oh yeah, kept, they're they're animals with it. I mean, just waking up with like a bottle of vodka. Yeah, it's nuts. It's not good. I right? mean, yeah. <laughs> the most, they don't actually look healthy yeah. uh, by living it's that way. But not good for the liver. Yeah, Australians still manage to look good. Yeah, right. Uh, so where did you go in Australia? So this is my, my first trip to Australia, and I had really uh, wanted to not go to kind of the, the cities that most Americans especially are familiar with, like Melbourne and Sydney. Right. I, I definitely want to go to those places, but for Just, my first trip, I wanted to go go somewhere different and a little bit more offbeat. So I went to – was in Western Australia for the first. I've, wow. That's been at my top of my uh, Australia list was so, Western, Western Australia. So I went to Perth for a few days and then to South Australia in and around Adelaide for a week. Okay. See yeah, I would uh, last week. Uh, my friend Graham Elwood was here, and he had just gone there, and he went okay. to some. Uh, he went to Perth, but then he also went to some place. He was doing an interview with somebody. He was filming, like way outside of Perth, and and we're trying to we describe it because the state of Western Australia is so massive. It's like, and I, uh, way I describe it, it's like everything from Colorado west. Yeah, and there's only Perth, which is like a million people, which would be like San Diego. And then nothing. There's like 500,000 people just scattered little mining towns and stuff around everywhere from like Arizona up to Seattle. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And did you get a sense of the uh, just like desolate – I mean it's it's the most remote city in the world, I guess. Yeah, it's – and I I got a picture of just like how big Australia was on this trip because as you're flying, you're flying the last few hours, you're flying – over Australia, and I was like, "This is 
it, this is longer than it would take to to fly over the U.S. Yeah. Which is, people <laughs> yeah. just don't realize being an island, but. Yeah, I mean, especially in Perth, because I, I, I got, I was talking to to one of the, the uh, to one of the locals there, and they were talking about, uh, like going up to further north in, in WA from from Perth, and I was like, well, and they were telling me they were flying. I was like, well, if you're driving, like, what, how much would it be? And they're like, oh, you don't drive. And I was yeah. Like, well, <laughs> if you let's say you were, and they're like, it take two days. Mm-hmm. I'm like what? That's crazy. Yeah, it's like, oh, we're just going to drive from Jacksonville to San Diego. Yeah. Why, why would you? Yeah. Exactly. To, yeah, through the wasteland. I mean, yeah. nothing. Yeah. It's one thing if there was like tons of places to stop along the way. And yeah. To, that's what, I mean, but that's why I love, that's what I ended up loving about Western Australia and South Australia is that you had this just very kind of untouched part. It's, it's becoming more rare and rare to kind of have some really largely untouched travel experiences and you really uh, i really saw that and got that in australia and it's exactly kind of what i wanted from from my trip there what are perth and adelaide like as cities they're i would say they're 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 very kind of they're they're small but they they remind me a lot honestly of like a a san diego or an austin i just kind of had that feel where they were Small and you knew that they didn't have the the buzz about them that a Sydney or Melbourne, but just still had some amazing experiences and had just this amazing accessibility. I mean, one of the the coolest thing I I did in Perth, which it's one of the coolest experiences I've ever had, was that you can learn to sail on the uh, the the Swan River there in Perth, right alongside the city skyline. And then uh, within about an hour of learning, you can take the boat. It's a little uh, Hobie Cat race sailboat, and you can take the boat out by yourself as long as you're comfortable with it and they're comfortable with you doing it. And like you're you're just flying up and down the river with the like r- skyline right there on the water, and it's it was one of those cool experiences where I was like, yeah, this is this is this is Australia. Like this That's is great. something I can I can. Just do anywhere. See the things you can do in a country where nobody sues everyone. Yeah, if right. every yeah, like, try like, like yeah, doing that here. Yeah, just take yeah, the sailboat. Yeah. <laughs> we taught you for an hour. Go ahead. Right. Go get lost in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> That's we great. Saw him again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Did you get out into the in the outback at all? Uh, I I got a little bit offbeat. Uh, actually, more in in South Australia. So I went to the uh, the uh, it's called the Airy Peninsula, which is essentially from Adelaide is straight west, but you're basically going across two gulfs to mm-hmm. get there. And uh, okay, yeah, yeah, looking at the map there, I'm looking at the map, yeah. So uh, and that was pretty. That was, I mean, what's interesting there is that. Here in the U.S., I feel like when you get out of the city, uh, a major city, like it kind of it stretches for a little bit. It's kind of this like lingering experience. Yeah, you get like the suburbs out. and then it'll be the smaller suburbs yeah. and then you're finally out. Yeah. And then like a few miles later, you come to another town. But there, like as soon as the city limits are over, like it's you're out. You're out in the, the boonies. <laughs> yeah, right. And it was just like it was amazing kind of how quickly – that that transition is yeah and, you go from city but, to Mad Max yeah real, real quick yeah I mean there would be uh, going up and down the Erie Peninsula I mean there would be uh, hours and hours where we just wouldn't see a car or anybody and which I, I loved I mean we it was it's along the coastline there and so we would go out on some of these beaches for and there would be nobody nobody out there were you with somebody or did you like 
meet up with people there. Yeah, so I was I was meeting up with a lot of quite a few locals there and had some guides for the the area peninsula, peninsula part. I was there for thirty six hours, and there's this guy that does this really amazing uh, experience. This has this amazing tour company, and it's one of the honestly, it's one of the coolest. I know I keep saying that about everything I've talked about in Australia, <laughs> but it really was really unique. It's called Going Off Safaris, and he does these called uh, hunting hunting and gathering trips where they're usually like a day, day and a half trip, and we were going out and gathering and catching seafood and then making it right there on the beach. And wow. Yeah, and I mean, these were some of the most beautiful beaches I've ever seen. We're the only people out there. We were collecting abalone uh, and just like making it right there on the beach and oysters, and <laughs> and then we were kind of like, seeing different wildlife that was you know because it's kind of you're out in the in the wild not in the on the boonies and just kind of experience <laughs> some really cool wildlife and it was just a really 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 cool experience now are you going to write about these for some other websites or your own or yeah so i'm going to be I, i'm putting together a couple of videos uh one of them's going to be from my trip around the area peninsula in south australia and then going to have another video from touring the swan valley uh the swan valley is this great wine region the oldest wine region in western australia and it's about 25 30 minutes from perth so I'm doing a couple of videos for that and then going to be writing a lot of content on my website. I've already done a couple photo essays on my website from from Perth and Adelaide and then we'll be uh, doing a bunch of content the next couple months and then writing for a couple uh some of my other publications that I mm-hmm. that I contribute for. That's well. great. So so when you look into the new year, now this is going to be uh, coming out right before the new year. What are your plans for 2016? Where are you headed? You got any trips planned now? Uh, right, I've been traveling so much the last few months. It's kind of, kind of chilling, you know, just kind of coasting and just kind of enjoying LA and just the fact that it's it's so nice here when it's not nice <laughs> everywhere else. Yeah, kind that's of, true. I'm rubbing that in a little bit, I know. But uh, I've, I've gotten the last couple of years, I've gotten quite a bit into into snowboarding. I was actually, I just came back this weekend from a weekend in Lake Tahoe. Is there snow now? Oh, there it's. They've gotten more snow, fresh snow this year than they got all of last year. Already? It's, yeah, they got three and a half feet of snow last week. Wow. So, yeah, so go go to Tahoe right now. I when I they had three and a half four feet last weekend, and then when I left on Saturday, they'd already gotten a half feet overnight. It's supposed to snow most of this week, and wow. it's uh, it's the conditions are great right now on the south or north side. So it's I'm I, I've just gotten into snowboarding in the last couple of years, and so I'll, I'll do probably another trip or two to Tahoe. Do probably a lot of West Coast uh, snow trips this this winter. So that's that's the plan right now. I don't have anything on the books, but imagine it'll be mostly kind of winter sports themed, which I never would have ever imagined myself saying a couple years ago. But because all our Winter Olympians come from North Carolina, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, right. Such a Winter Olympian state. <laughs> yeah. Did uh, so you're not going home for the holidays or anything like that? Uh, so my my family and I we got. We got together a couple of weeks ago uh, when my when my nephew was was graduating college. Oh, so, perfect! Uh, yes, yeah, so we did that in early December and get now, it done in the now, cheaper too, with the yeah, cheap flights. Right? See, now we know how to do it this. Was, yeah, it was amazing, and so now it's like no no airplanes for me the rest of the year. This is a great time to stay away from the airports. Yeah. No, if I wasn't working, I would definitely stay. I like staying around here for the yeah. for the because it's like the the traffic just dies. It's great. It's, it really is. I've already noticed it. Oh like, yeah, it's right. Like, like, yeah. Oh, the traffic's I way a, down. I got a parking spot yesterday, and <laughs> no time. I was like, I can do this. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, tell people again 
where they can find your website and uh, your Twitter handle and Instagram and everything else. Yeah, so go to whiskeytangoglobetrot.com to look at all my content, get some great cocktail recipes, food recipes, and then uh, if you want to follow me as I'm traveling and sharing my content, you can find me uh, at Spencer Spellman on Twitter and Instagram. Is that uh, two L's? Yes. Okay. Spell man. <laughs> Spell man. And finally, what do you think of um, like all this travel? And you said when you first left and got out of town, and what do you think it, it's taught you and how has it changed you as a person and how you look at, say, America or yourself and, and the world? Yeah, that's, a, that's such a great question. And it's, it's something that kind of continues to evolve. And I think Anthony Bourdain uh, said it really well quite a, quite a number of years ago when he said something to the effect of, he's like, the more I travel – the less I find that I, the less I really know about the world. And that's, that's what is the big thing for me is that just like learning about different cultures. And when you look at the world, there's just a lot of crappy stuff and stuff on, you know, on the news. But at the end of the day, we're, we're just really, at the end of the day, we're really similar. We just, we have different languages and have different customs, but we all, have a lot of you know similar universal values of of love and wanting to travel and a love for food and drink and all these great things and so it's just really i think just blown my paradigm of the world and just like learning different it's it's helped me learn a lot about different cultures and then helped me as a result better love my my own culture and kind of better be able to explore some of my own back world backyard because i think sometimes Having spent a lot of my life traveling, I kind of, I kind of lose that, and it's really, I think, helped me better embrace America and love America and love my hometown of, of LA now. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for coming here. Yeah, Mike, thank you for having me. This is fantastic. Sure, uh, Spencer Spellman. Thank you, sir. Have a great 2016. Let's have some whiskey. Not really. <laughs> <laughs>